0: You're listening to True Stories Told Live. Welcome to Speakeasy, where our tellers get on stage with their whole, authentic, beautifully human selves and speak their experience. No notes, just the memory of a life lived. On our stage, you'll hear humor, hope, embarrassment, disappointment, grief, lust, anger, love, remembrance, The whole brilliant and nuanced spectrum of what it is to live as individuals in community with others. Here at Speakeasy, our incredibly gracious audience holds all of it. Sighing together, laughing together, crying together, and cheering our hearts out together. There's a symbiotic thing we've got going here between our tellers and our listeners where each person creates that sacred space that just unflinchingly holds each other's stories, where we bear bits of our souls and bear witness. Join us the first Thursday of every month in Columbus, Ohio, at 7 p.m., where we gather at Wild Goose Creative, nestled in amongst the gallery's newest art exhibit. With a simple theme as inspiration, ten tellers sign up, brave up, step up in front of a microphone and get honest what you're about to hear is one of those stories
1: i don't always prepare stories i kind of think of stuff as you guys t- tell because i get very excited and i like planned ahead and then kate told a story about the boogeyman in basements and i got very excited about basements and then uh ethan told a story uh, about autistic kids <laughs> which Reminded me a lot of Amos, <laughs> my youngest, uh, in a way that suggests maybe we should talk more and you can point me towards uh, diagnosis professionals. Uh, which is not like a, I want to be really, really clear, a judgy thing. Like, my boss now is on the spectrum and like our whole freaking church is spectrum people and I, I love it. So... Um, it, yeah, Amos it just could use some, some tricks. Like, like, when he was talking about getting the kid to cry, like, it made 100% sense to me. Because it's like, oh, now we're getting to a place. Like, we're... Yeah, also, like, blocking. Like, I, I, I forget that not all parents are used to, like... You, you, you wax off. It's just, we learned it from the movie. When the kids try to hit you in the face. What's confusing about that? So I think I'll tell stories about basements and my kids. Um I want to tell you I'm going to save some basement stories. You're welcome. Because I fucking love basements. I am by nature something of a dwarf uh, in the sort of Tolkien-esque fantasy sense. When I play Minecraft, I just dig immediately and then I I don't come back out. Um, That's just my... I seek the lowest level like a liquid. Um, And uh, and so, yeah, no, I've just, there's so many stories about basements, but I will tell you about the greatest basement of all, um, the, the, my grandmother's basement. I say my grandmother because um, this is my dad's parents, and my, my dad's dad died when I was just, just about two. And it's a, one of those scenarios, I don't know if you guys have ever lost someone when you were really young, where it's like, do I have a memory of them or just the stories? And then you remember that, the stories are reality, too. Uh, and so I have a lot of warmth um, about my grandfather. I have his wallet. I, I didn't take it. They, they gave it to me. It has a picture of him in it. Uh, I have his, his ball cap. Um, and, uh, but, but in most of my stories, it's my grandmother's house. Uh, unlike my, my mom's parents, who had a basement uh, with a ping-pong table... Um my dad grew up in that house, in my grandmother's house. So my dad was my hero, uh, kind of a demigod plus when I was young. And uh, the, this was like his origin. This was, you know, Valhalla, Elysium, heaven. Like this was the place. And um, I can picture that house, which I only visited on holidays, And I haven't been to in, I mean, my grandmother's gone now. Um, I probably haven't been there in like 30 years. Um, I, I, I remember the stairs coming up were concrete with smooth pebbles embedded in it. I remember when you opened the door, you could go straight up the stairs. To the left was the family room. There was a giant oval braided rug. Do you guys know these rugs? Yes, aren't they the best, Brogs? (laughs) Take your wall-to-wall carpeting. Shove it. That room had a television in it. Um, We didn't have a television. For some reason, my parents, like, I lived like a rerun of my dad's childhood. Like, I read Hardy Boys and Mad Magazines from, like, the 60s. Um, And so we didn't have a television either. But they had a television, and it was a push button. Television to tune the VHF channels. Um, back and to the left was my uh, grandmother's room. You didn't go in there unless you were going to be fetching a soda for an adult. Uh, children were not allowed sodas. The Mountain Dew, especially, was only for my uncle. Um, next to that, the bathroom and then the kitchen, which was uh, lovely, there were these pans. Uh, shitty, I know now, pans that were uh, objects of awe to me. They were badly domed because they would cook little cheap ass like Totino's pizzas in these pans and then they would cut them in the pan to the point where they had like inches of relief in these pans. But we weren't allowed to have pizza for whatever reason. It was only for my father and my uncle. Um, Upstairs was fine but the basement. It never held any terror for me during the day because the basement is where all the toys were, including what I believe to be two fully functioning firearms (laughs) that we played with regularly. There were no ammo in the house, so it was fine, right? If they weren't real, they were very realistic. Um, And uh, off-brand fake Legos from like the 50s, Um, and more Mad Magazines, um, and Tom Swift books. And that's where all of the cousins would gather and play. There was, of course, a locking fridge down there, because, you know, we're not trash. Um, Full of stromboli for some reason. My grandmother, no Italians anywhere in the family, always with the stromboli. Um, During the day, a fun and wonderful play place, but at night... I would sleep down there, and it was a position of honor because that was where my dad slept. That was my dad's room, so to be in the Holy of Holies. But they had this furnace. Oh, my God. <laughs> I only wish I had prepared the sound for you this thing made. I don't know what kind it was. I feel like it's not something that we have today. Which like, it must have been an oil furnace or something. I don't know. But it, when it would start, it would go, <sighs> and i could see it through the curtains like it would begin with this dull like glow and then into this bright blue light shining across my face it's like "Ah, it's too late to run hold still don't move and then like just like Squinch my way through the night, and then the morning would come, and it would be, f- I don't know if we didn't run the furnace, or you didn't hear it during the days, or what? It didn't bother us at all. It's fine. Daytime furnace is no problem, only at night. But that was a beautiful, a beautiful place for me, and uh, despite the nighttime terrors, uh, and, and led to so many more stories about furnaces for the future. Um, my kids now, so uh, because I love basements, my office is in the basement I say office we have an unfinished basement not even a a nice uh, braided rug Um, mostly because of the inches of water you get every time it rains I live in like north campus neighborhood it's all old shitty houses that flood Uh, and uh, but I have a a row of bookshelves in the corner uh, and a curtain and that's my office Uh, I have a desk I built out of particle board and leftover two-by-fours. And that's where I work every day. Uh, COVID's been weird. (laughs) Uh, People often comment, because there's like duct work and stuff above me, and they're like, where are you? I'm like, in the basement. You don't work in the basement? But my kids have vastly different um, reactions to it. My uh, son, Max to this day is really afraid to go down there and he will boogeyman run every time if I force him to go down to like get some laundry or um, we have all our camping stuff down there like go get the thing and he'll be like yeah no I don't want to do it I'll just not wear clothes today um, which I'll say for Max is always an option for him anyway um, a, a uh, fully nudist in training he's not he's fully trained um <laughs> It's not monetized. Um, It's a dark joke that didn't need to be made. And I apologize. Um, So, uh, and then Amos, Amos loves the basement because Amos wants to know how everything works and where everything is. In the basement, he can see where all the plumbing is. He can ask about every fucking pipe. Where does that one go? That goes to the bathroom. Where's that? Okay, that's also the bathroom. That's the cold water line. Oh, where's the hot water heater? It's over there. Um, And uh, I also have um, my musical instruments down there, and he loves to play on all the guitars, especially I find for Amos, he likes to play a lot more if I'm not anywhere near him. And I have a, a steel guitar, a lap steel guitar, that's not in my office area. It's out separate, and he could play on that without me looking over his shoulder. So he likes to do that. But the kids are so different in their outlooks On these things and I think it's just it's been shocking to me because my kids are 12 and 4 um how different I didn't know that kids were different which is a stupid thing not to know but (laughs) my brother and I are different but also very similar but we're also like two and a half years apart and so it was a very different experience for us Max for him everything that he believes that's the elder one is about stories the truer the story is more important than like reality to him. So, of course a boogeyman has far more realness than the nightly news that's telling you there's no boogeyman. <laughs> my favorite story about this in Max. So, we are a Santa positive house. <laughs> um, but we don't give gifts from Santa. We say who they're from. And we don't... I was I wanted to walk a line. <laughs> and the line was, I don't want to fucking lie to my kids' faces. But I would tell the stories about Santa. I would say some people believe that. And so I was, as far as I was willing to twist myself in it, to go without lying. And when Max was young, in preschool, he finally, he kind of like had it. He's like, look, like is Santa real or not? And alarmingly deep voice. Um, and I was like, but I'm sorry. Like, no, I don't. I don't personally believe that Santa is real like I don't have any evidence to that and like it's not something that we we believe in so that's that and, and he, he's like okay okay uh, he told um, his preschool classmates and then I got in the most trouble I've ever with a teacher in my life she took me in the hallway I'm not having it I'm not having it sorry I'll lie better um, he reversed on his own on that decision because the story of Santa is so much better than not Santa. So like a week later, so you know, Dad, you're wrong. There is a Santa Claus and I 100% believe in him. And he went on believing in, oh, shit. He might believe in him now for all I know. Um, 100% all in because for Max, it's all about the story. The story is the most important thing. And he'll believe anything that has a, a good story that goes with it. Amos, it's about how things work. And, and memorization, memorizing how, what all the things are and like how all the things work uh, and imposing his will on those things. Um, so I, I think the darkest, the most frightening I've ever seen, Amos was staring out the back window, looking at the birds and just quietly saying, chicken nugget, chicken nugget. <laughs> and I have seen him... Forage Like, he will survive in the wild. I have no worries about him. I've seen him find wild strawberries and eat them, find water. Like, he's okay. Um, but uh, he, has, he has firm beliefs in how things are supposed to go, and he's always trying to learn. One of the things that he, that he believes in is if we're going to get in the car, because he has spent two of his four years in COVID where we didn't do shit, we didn't go nowhere, like, apart from Sis's house, there for a while. Um, and um when we go somewhere, we're going to Mamma and Papap's house. That's my wife's parents. And uh and that that's his favorite place. They have like a little farmhouse on a, a wee chunk of land. Um papap has taken part of it, let it grow wild, and then cut paths into it. So there's magical trails back in there. There's a tree house. Papap is a good pap. And uh so it's his favorite, and he loves it. Last year, we went on a big road trip. I was uh, uh, fortunate enough to, to be able to take a sabbatical from my job at that point, and we we drove out to El Paso. We took three days driving out there, and every day, all day, Amos would be like, "We're going to Mamaw Papap's house." <laughs> and at the beginning, it made sense. We were heading west. Mamaw Papap lived west. We were in Ohio. But then it was a six-hour and then an eight-hour drive, and it didn't make as much sense, and we were in St. Louis. And he was he was confused. We was like, okay. And the next day we're driving now south. He's like, we're going on Mamma and Papa's house. So now we're getting into like the Ozarks. And I'm like, M'ma and Papa live on like a farm in the flattest part of the country. Like, not really. And we stopped in Tulsa. Didn't really get it. And then the next day, we're driving through like northern texas and new mexico where it's like scrub desert like he's never seen in his lifetime he's just like on papap's house though like tonight and we were like no but he would not believe it because when you get in the car you go to on papap's house that's how the car works he wasn't mad he was just waiting for things to be correct now thankfully the house we rented had a pool that was good enough that worked for him And now he'll tell me every day, like, let's go to the pool in El Paso. I'm like, it's no, you can't, it's too far. He knows every state in the country, he knows exactly where they all are, but this concept is not something he has yet. But what I love about both of them in their stories, for my kids at least, is in their own way, in their own logic, they're always pursuing hope, right? Whether it's hope that the story about Santa Claus is the true story. Or the hope that even though we're three fucking days into this trip, (laughs) maybe we're about to get to Mamaw and Papa's house. But in their own separate ways, they're always pursuing the best and hoping for the good. And I think even kids that go through terrible shit are always trying to find some kernels of hope. And it's only us as we get old that we allow that fire to get dull as we get stamped down over time. I think that's another thing that we can learn from kids. And you know Patty's talking about like, I don't really care for children, but you guys make them sound okay. Um, which I think is a very reasonable point of view. Especially if you don't want to get hit in the face. Um, but I think that there's room for all of us in different ways and avenues in our lives. There's kids around in your systems and, and and your friends and families and things like that. I hope there's a safe place that you can encounter them. You don't have to be a, a mammo or pap or a mama or a nanny or whatever I am, dad I guess. <laughs> um but that you would take the opportunity if you can to engage with them because they've got something that a lot of us have lost. Thanks. <laughs>